Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and Jason Lopez. Thanks for tuning in. All right, welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed. We've got one returning guest, Don Wilson. Welcome, Don. Hello. How are you? Good. And we have a returning, but now, guest co-host, Drew Hamilton. Welcome from Alaska, Drew. Hey, guys. Hope everything's going well. We're about to have some Alaskan weather, I think, but otherwise it's going great. I don't know. Looking out the window, the Alaskan weather looks uh, sunny and nice, so you're in for a good time. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going great here in Colorado with this COVID thing. It's kind of putting the damper on all kinds of photography stuff. I don't know about you guys, but national parks are closed. State parks are kind of like, I, th- I think state parks are closed in Colorado. Some of the recreational areas are open. I don't know, Don, what are you saying? You live right on the border of Rocky Mountain National Park. It's probably killing you not to be able to go in there. It's tough. It's really, really tough. As a matter of fact, this morning I was taking some photos of the signs that say stay, just kind of stay out of Rocky. <laughs> um, but they do. Every single gate has, entrance gate has, you know, sandbags and signs and orange cones. They really do, are being pretty serious about not going in there. The hotels are closed in town and the restaur- restaurants are doing a lot of takeout, but um, all the VRBOs are shut down. So it's actually really quiet up here right now. And I've been getting messages from people down around Yellowstone that are basically just anxiously patrolling the boundary of the park, just hoping some wildlife wanders out that they could take a picture of. Yeah, it's kind of the same way here. It's you know, The elk are still roaming around town. We have some coyotes in town. The bluebirds are really popular right now because they're flying around. Put, your, put yourself in the mind of a bear or of a elk that is so used to seeing all this traffic and stuff, and now all of a sudden... They got the whole parks to themselves, and they're they're probably like, "What's going on? This isn't right. With <laughs> something's wrong with the world." I saw a really funny picture on Facebook this morning that was a photo of a bear standing on somebody's deck on the glass door, like up against the door with the caption of "Where is everybody?" <laughs> <laughs> well, this has got to be a pretty common occur- occurrence. Like any time a park, I think about those Yosemite fires. When was that? A couple years ago, and I had a buddy that was on a medical team that was in the park. And she was taking pictures of bears every day in Yosemite just because there were no people. And the bears are like, jackpot. Let's go check it <laughs> yeah. out. That's what I was going to say. They're they're going to have this uh, reprieve. And then when the uh, the masses start to show up again, I wonder how, you know, if it's going to change behavior. That's kind of what I'm curious to see. I'm interested in that, too. I wonder if it'll, you know, will they be defensive or will they say, oh, we'll just, they're back. We'll just go back to what we were doing or. Yep. I don't know. The first person will be a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. My guess is, is it probably, if it doesn't last, I think if they were alone for like a year or something, it might change. But if it's just right. a couple, two or three months, it's probably not that much of a change. But mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting to check it out for sure. Can't wait to have the opportunity. Don, congratulations, first of all. President-elect of NAMPA nationwide and just for everybody that's listening that doesn't know what is nampa nampa is the north american nature photography association so it's a group dedicated it's the only organization dedicated to nature photographers in north america and how long has that been around it's quite it's i can remember early 90s for sure yeah you're (laughs) i don't know the exact year i want to say it was actually in the 80s it's it's been you know some of the founders are still active so, um, you know, people like George Lepp, Tom Bowl, you know, a couple of the, the guys, that, photographers that have been involved for, for a long time, or they're still there. So it's not that old that it hasn't been, hasn't quite gone to the point of, um, you know, people that started it are, are still there. So give us a snapshot into what the organization is and does. So the idea of, the, of NAMPA is to really be a support organization for nature photographers, to provide some resources, learning events. Um, we do a lot of, um, we have things like discounts for photographers. We have insurance program for photographers. Um, we do, um, every other year we have a summit program that is basically a fairly large conference for nature photographers to really get together to do some networking and learning um, we have some amazing, I'm always impressed by the inspiration that people, that the, 
the presenters bring. That's the big thing that I get out of it is you go to some of these conferences and you listen and it's just the projects that these people are doing are just unbelievable. Like Clay Bolt, I'm sure you guys are familiar with who he is. He's been doing some amazing things and helping bumblebees, you know, conserve bumblebees. And then we've had some um, video folk who are doing you know, some really good movies out there now. Morgan Heim has been doing some amazing um, conservation movies. So there's really a lot of really great talent, but it's an organization for both a professional photographer as well as the enthusiast. Um, so we want to support the, the full gamut for, for people. Um, so for the enthusiast who's looking to learn more about photography, we have a lot of regional events. We have, like I mentioned, the, the blog posts. And right now we actually have something with everything going on with the coronavirus since everybody's kind of stuck at home right now. Um, we're doing a lot of online programs. So we've opened up our, our webinars to, to people. That's usually a member benefit. But right now we've opened that up to the public. So we have a huge library of many, many years of webinar that are now available. Um, we've actually included, we've been doing a lot more blog posts, getting a lot of our, our members to write blogs so that you know, photographers that are kind of learning about photography can, can delve into those, those different topics. Um, we do an e-newsletter. I mean, there's just a full gamut of, of different types of information available. And Don, I'd like to shout out to the Facebook group that, uh, that NAMPA has. Uh, it seems like half my Facebook notifications are my friends posting to the the NAMPA Facebook group. It'll be like Charles Glatzer just posted to, or Tin Man Lee posted to the uh, the NAMPA group. So I'm always on there checking out what people are doing, and it's all up to date and current, and it's uh, it's a good time. Both the Facebook group as well as the Instagram page, both of them are are, are really heavily used. The Facebook group I think is up to more than fifteen thousand members now. I think it was just over 19,000 the last time I looked at it. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. That's a lot added 4,000 since the virus hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they actually have. They've been having a lot more people get involved in the group um, just in general because, yeah, people are home. You know, we, and we've really found that, you know, nature photography helps ease stress. We know that. There's studies out there that show that nature photography can ease stress. So something like Nampa's Facebook group or Instagram page certainly – you know, you could just start scrolling through photos and it kind of starts taking you to different places and, um, you know, bringing up good memories of a trip that you might have taken or, you know, animals that maybe you want to learn more about. Speaking of animals that you want to learn more about, you said that on the Off Summit uh, years, you do a, another get together. Are there any other trips, Nampa sponsored trips? There are. So so as I mentioned, every other year we have a summit summit conference. The next one will be in April of 2021, so next year, and that'll be in Tucson at the end of April. Um, and then in the alternate years, we do a program called Celebration, which is a smaller event really geared to getting people out into the field to shoot. So we'll do some in-classroom, in-room presentations in the middle of the day, but then we encourage people to go out and shoot first thing in the morning, later in the day. The last one that we had was up in Grand Teton for that exact reason. And it was in May, so you saw a lot of the photographers out photographing bears and coyotes and all different really cool subjects up there. And then the other thing that we do is we have regional events. So we do um, some of our members will actually instruct and then take a group of usually about 20 members or, or non-members. You don't have to be a member of NAMPA to participate um, out into different locations. So like next year, for example, I know in May we have a program in Badlands National Park. Um, where we'll take a group of people out there with um, two NAMPA members as instructors, show people around, photograph the animals up there in the landscapes. Um, and those are those are pretty popular events. I know we have a couple others coming up later this year. One's in Smoky Mountains. Um, see what other ones we have. So we've got Outer Banks in North Carolina as well later this year. Ooh, that's on my list. And then one time I was hanging out on a boat in the Shelikov Strait between Kodiak and, and the Alaska Peninsula, and I was just hanging out. I wasn't working, and a group showed up on this boat, and they were a Nampa group. How did that yes. go down? Another so go organized tour? The, the locations change every year. It depends on what what um, locations people want to go to. It depends on if something's popular or not popular. Um, but we try to mix it up so that there's always something different. And there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't do a, a trip up to Alaska and you know, people are willing to, to do the traveling up there. We have a couple of members who are willing to do the guiding on the trip, and we can certainly, certainly handle that. 
Well, it was so much fun because they'd go out and they'd shoot bears, uh, you know, in the morning, evening. They'd come back to the boat for meals and everybody's just hanging out, going through photos together. It was like a, a big photography club meeting just on a boat in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's and that's kind of, you know, it's a very laid back organization. It's, you know, like I said, we have professionals and we have enthusiasts, people that are just into photography um, and love to be outdoors. So it's a it's a nice mix of people that bring, you know, a full gamut of skill sets with them, too. And then, like you said, Drew, it's it's a fun thing to do. Let's just go out and hang out and enjoy, enjoy photography, enjoy the outdoors, maybe have a you know glass of wine or a couple beers and check out photos and. <laughs> So, Don, why did you become a member originally? My original reason was um, to get the insurance. So we actually have a pretty good insurance program where you can get um, insurance policies for um, for your equipment. We have insurance policies for, I think there's even one now for liability. So if you do, you know, if you have a professional work business, um, so you can get an insurance policy for that as well. Um, then obviously once you start getting involved, I got involved by volunteering with the marketing committee. And then from there I started getting, I was, um, doing all the posts on the Twitter page. So I was pretty active in that. And then I was asked to join the board of directors. Um, but there's so many ways that people can get involved. And that's the thing that's really nice about the organization is that if you want to do something regionally, you could do a, you know, just a regional type of meetup type group. You could volunteer. We're always looking for volunteers to help with the summit programs on our marketing committees. Um, you know, we have a conservation and, and ethics committees. We have a finance committee. Um, trying to think of what other there's there's about six or seven different committees that people can can help out with. So there's lots of different ways that you can bring your own skill sets. So for example, like if you're on a finance committee, if you're an accountant that then retired. And now, you know, is spending a lot of time in photography. It's a great way to kind of combine those two different interests. That insurance thing is brilliant. That That's, I'm going to go sign up for that today. <laughs> <laughs> As a member, I'm going to go on the website after this and sign up. Well, it's super hard to get insurance in, in certain situations. And especially if you run around like we do with pretty expensive equipment, you can't just run down to your local state farm office and say, hey, can you insure this $30,000 worth a year? kind of thing. So you have to almost have some of that specialty. And I'm not sure how it works with NAMPA, but I have another organization, ASMP, which is similar thing. And that's how I was able to get insurance for my equipment, which is, it gets pretty high. And the local state farm or whoever I was dealing with, they just said, there's no way we can insure your stuff, especially if you're a business. Business insurance is difficult, especially if, you know, if you're a self-employed business, it's difficult to get insurance. It's kind of interesting. And when I went out to get my own. They say, oh, well, you have to have three years of, you You have to have had it for three years before we'll sign you up for it. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense to <laughs> right. me. But, um, but yeah, the, the insurance through NAMPA is, a, they're, they're, they're insurance companies that are familiar with what we do. They're willing to take on that risk. They understand that there is some travel. There's, you know, we spend most of our time outdoors. Um, so they, you know, they have a pretty good handle on what to expect and what they're getting involved with. They understand the Cameras dropping off the rocks, the rocks dropping off on the camera. That never happens. <laughs> never. <laughs> oh, man. So, Don, what, just for, for our listeners' sake, what is the cost for NAMPA membership? And are there so, different levels of membership? Are there different benefit packages? What? So, there's, you can join for two years or you can join for one year. Um, there's a general membership for one year that's $100. The two-year membership is $180, so you save a little bit by doing the two years. That's always what I recommend to people. Um, it just helps you a little bit too if you're, you know, if you tend to forget or don't want to, you know, be bothered with it, worrying about that every year. Um, there's a joint membership that's for one year is 150, or if you want to do two years, that's 270. So that's for two people that are in the same home or same company address. So we see that a lot with couples that that are involved. We have a student membership that's only $25, so that's a really great program. Um, and then on top of that, we actually have some high school and college college programs specifically dedicated to um, students in those age groups. So the high school program does a summer course um, out in, on the East Coast, and then we do a grant program for college students that can then come and participate in the summit, and they learn about video, and they learn about nature photography. So that's a pretty cool thing for them, too. And then there's a friend of NAMPA 
that's a um, special membership with uh, privileges of the general member um, with some special recognition. That's a little bit more expensive. That's two fifty, five hundred, or a thousand. So it's a little bit more like donating and supporting um, supporting our organization. So how big is Nampa as far as membership? And and I guess what I'm always like thinking about is how many people out there do this and what's the potential? How do we get the word out to get people to support an organization like this in becoming members and then just, you know, growing this whole thing that we do and just making it, you know, the conservation stuff is so huge with what we do as far as telling those stories. The more people you can get involved, the better I would think. Yeah. And that's what I was saying before. I mean, like when I go to summit and I sit and listen to people that have been up to, um, there was a Florence, I'm trying to think of what his first name was. He did a whole project where he walked from Yellowstone to Alaska or something. And then he did another project up in Anwar. And I mean, just some of these projects these people are doing are just so, so amazing. And you get, as a member, you get access to these people. You, know, you can ask them, you can, you know, how'd you start? How'd you get your funding? How did you come up with the idea? How did you deliver it? How did you get it to market? These are, you know, fairly standard business questions, but when it comes to conservation where it's hard to get money, fundraising is the biggest challenge. Now you're getting access to some of these people, but, um, and now I'm even forgetting what your original question was. Well, I'm just curious about the potential audience. I mean, I'm not even sure how many members you have and we don't need to know those specifics, but it just seems to me like there's probably a ton of people out there and it's more about just getting the word out. I knew about Nampa a long time ago. And I actually went to a couple of the, the, the summit and it was awesome. It's so inspiring. And you're right. You sit there and listen to these presentations and you walk out of that room all fired up, you know, mm-hmm. in, inspired by like these people that are just doing really cool stuff. So I knew about it, but then I, for some reason it dropped off or I ran out of money or whatever the case was, but, and then it's just been several years and I haven't hopped back on. So there's gotta be a bunch of people like me that would benefit um, and it's just more or less getting the word out, I guess. It is getting the word out. Right now, we have about 2,500 active members, so you know people that actually are, are dues-paying members. And as I mentioned, our Facebook group, well, Ron, you said it is up to 19,000 people. So it gives you an idea of the potential size. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing photography, nature photography, and it doesn't, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we, we support everybody from the enthusiasts up to the professional. So we want to make sure that, you know, that that's clear to people that you don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be doing, you know, producing Emmy award winning movies. You can become a member and enjoy getting to meet those people, being involved in the same organization as what these people are doing. Um, and then, you know, just get, you know, local regional types type events and find out who the other NAMPA members are in your own area and get together on the weekends. Um, and then there's other benefits too. One of the other things I forgot to mention is that we do a, a contest, a photo contest every year called Showcase, and that's just for members. Um, and that get, there's actual prize money. Um, if the winning photos get published into a, a book that we call Expressions. Um, and then we have a Nature Photography Day, which is open to any nature photographer. And that's June 15th. We run a photo contest around that. So that's open to the public. But it's just the, the audience for nature photography is huge these days. So it's anybody that's into landscape or macro photography or weather photography. It's all nature. It's all um, getting outdoors. It's all sharing your experience in the outdoors. And we want to encourage those types of people to, to get involved, join us, and you know, see what we have out there. So, Don, you're currently the president-elect, right? When does your when does your administration take power over at the NAMP organization? <laughs> July 1st. July 1st. July 1st. Okay. So um, after July 1st, what is your platform? What do you what do you want to see from NAMPA uh, in your first uh, first administration? My first administration. <laughs> um, so, I you know, my big thing is that you know there's been you know a few different resources out there that have gotten me to at least where I feel, I mean, I still want to keep growing with my photography. I, I still think that there's a lot that I can learn and continue to do. I myself want, you know, have a couple of conservation projects that I'd like to pursue. Um, but what NAMP has done for me and getting me, you know, the knowledge base, the, the connections, the networking, I want to be able to make sure that that's available to other people that are just starting. Um, you know, whether they're, you know, maybe they just retired and now they want to do this as a second career or if they want to, 
do it as a hobby in their in their retirement or even people that are in college, you know, some of these students that I see that that are into, you know, like Mike, I think your background was biology. And then you, you know, I hear that a lot that people go into biology and then they wind up going into communications to kind of share the information that they're learning. Um, so we see a lot of that with college students. I'd love to see that develop even more um, so that we can keep growing you know, the younger audience of, of nature photographers too. Well, and you said that uh, it seems to me like when I first got involved and this was a long time ago, video wasn't talked about at all, but you've mentioned video three or four times already just in what we've talked about. So it's not just photographers. It can also be people out there doing wildlife and nature video as well, right? Correct. Yeah. Video is becoming a big part of what we do. It's, I've been hearing it for years that it's the direction that it's going. I mean, you know, as the equipment gets better and better, as we get to a point where we can pull stills out of, out of video, um, you know, I think that's going to be a big part. Multimedia has become a big part of advertising too. So I think as people are looking for content, they're going to see the, see the need grow for, for video content. So we recognize that too, so that we've, We've incorporated that into some of the programs that we're doing now. And you said there is no, currently there's no uh, YouTube presence for Nampa, but that's something that is potentially on the horizon. So we have a, we've been talking about doing a YouTube channel. Um, you know, we have a lot of webinars that are all recordings. So that's something that we could certainly put out there, but it is something that we're considering um, kind of moving in that direction, seeing where, where we can take that and exp- you know, use that as another avenue, another channel to expand our content for people. Describe a webinar. What would a typical webinar be for for NAMPA? So the webinars are, they have all kinds of different topics. Um, I can actually pull up some of the different ones. I know we have one actually coming up in the, in a couple of weeks. I think it's next week, actually, on the 16th. Um, but the, the webinars are basically an online program similar to, let's say, um, I think, so right now it's, you know, think, consider a, you know, a PowerPoint presentation, you get a speaker, you get, um, you know, they'll go through slides. It can be interactive. People can ask questions through, um, through chats. Let me pull up the website, see what some of the topics, more recent topics are. And the topics are so varied. They, they've done everything. I've done one. I actually produced one on, um, social media and Twitter, like how to, you know, get your photos ready for Instagram. Um, so let's see. Webinars. I thought I saw um, that Art Wolf did one too. Didn't, didn't Art he Wolf do? has done one. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it, it runs the gamut from people that you wouldn't necessarily recognize their name to some of the top people in wildlife photography or nature photography are out there doing these webinars. Yes. So the next one we have is Keeping Nature and Wildlife Photography Simple and Fun, and that's on the 16th. They're usually about six o'clock in the evening Eastern time so that it's good for people after work. Um, some of the past webinars we've done a lot with Steve Gettle, um, Jennifer Warner and Christina Sheaf did one on preparing photography for Grand Teton. Um, we've had, let's see, Alice Bender did one an intro to manual marketing on Instagram. We've done breaking the four barriers of creativity. Wendy Chatiel did one on photo contest secrets revealed. I, they do. They run the gamut on everything from learning how to improve your photography to how to run a business, you know, different aspects of running a business. Or Lisa Langell did one on stop documenting, start creating beautiful wildlife images, um, using your vehicle as a photography aid. I mean, so some of them are, are fairly simple, but for somebody that's just getting into photography, I think they're really, really helpful. Um, and then, you know, as I said, as a, it, it's a member member benefit. And there's a, a fairly lengthy library of past webinars that are available as a member. Stuff like that, that how to run a business kind of aspect of, of the photography webinar is brilliant. Like anybody can go out there and buy a camera and go out and start taking pictures. But when you see the people who have been successfully doing it for so many years, yes, it's their photographic talent. Yes, it's their proficiency with their technology. But business acumen is yeah. really what's going to put you in it for the for the long term. Like if you can you sustain this, can you make this your livelihood? And the more that you can, it's kind of this cycle where um, once you start making money from it, then you go out and do it more and then you get better and better and better. And so it's this positive feedback loop. So learning some business skills through a roundabout way is actually going to help your photography. 
It does. It definitely does. And, you know, and I think it's changed a little bit. There used to be a time where, you know, you could do stock photography kind of on the side if you had a full-time job and make enough money to, you know, pay for new equipment each year to pay for a good trip. And, that, and unfortunately that's changed a little bit, but that's kind of where that business acumen comes in that the more you understand the business side of photography, I think the more that you can, can allow that to continue. Um, you know, and I'm probably an example of that. I spent 20 years in corporate marketing yet. I still struggle sometimes with marketing my own work only because it's personal. It's, you know, it's my work and it's can be hard to separate out from that experience or my personal interest in a particular animal, photographing a particular animal to saying, this is now a business side. Um, you know, it's even like, you know, I'll use even this morning I was out for a few minutes to, um, and I happen to come across some Western bluebirds here in Estes Park. We don't get them. We don't see them a lot here. We see mountain bluebirds a lot, but we don't see the Westerns. Well, I'm, oh, let's get these photos. And I bring them home and I download them. I'm like, all right, they're too far away. The sun was too bright. You know, so it's, you know, again, if I just sat there with a business perspective, it's just enjoy the experience. And sometimes you, that's part of it too. Just, you don't have to take a photo of everything sometimes. Sometimes it's just step back and just watch what's happening too. And Drew, I know you experienced that because of being out there with the bears all the time. You know, sometimes it's just just building memories too about what what you're you're witnessing. And not that this has happened to me, but sometimes you go out for a walk with your camera and you just forget to put the memory card in the camera. Then you're just watching anyway. <laughs> I heard I've, I've heard that happens. Yeah, I've heard take that your happens. take I'm your a... camera for a walk day. Hmm. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> the camera's never heavier than when it doesn't have a memory card in it. Yeah. Yeah. I never forgot to charge the batteries. That's never, never, never ever, yeah. never have I ever. So you get access to all these webinars and all these other benefits. And we're talking, what did you say it was 170 bucks for a two year membership for 180, 180, $180 for a two year. That's, you know, just hearing that right there. It's like, that's a no brainer just to have access to that kind of information. And then, like you said, the insurance is huge. And then you take the business, uh, the business webinar, and you figure out how to turn that uh, that fee, your your membership fee, into a business expense. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> is there an average age of the people that are out there? I mean, I know the programs are set up for you've got these student programs, and is it run the gamut, or do you would you even have that information? I just wanted to put it out there so that people understand you don't have to be any, any way, shape or form is going to work. If you have an interest in wildlife photography, it's a good thing to be a part of in learning. And I think that's the ultimate thing is that, yeah, there's no restrictions on age. There's no restrictions on what type of nature photography you're into. We have, you know, members all the way from college students to, you know, senior, you know, older adults who are still active and want to be out there photographing. Um, and then everybody, you know, once you're in, in the organization, you kind of find your own little niche and friends. Um, you know, I certainly have developed some friendships that have led to, to other friendships, you know, whether they were people that were local to Colorado or there was, um, I've developed a really good friendship with, um, Michael DeYoung is a really good, good friend, him and his wife, Laurie. And they were actually a teacher of mine that through Rocky Mountain School of Photography and we've stayed friends since then, but they're, they were also NAMPA members too. So at one point, you know, I would see them at conferences. So it was a good way for me to get to, you know, see them once a year, once every other year. Um, so there's a social aspect to it too. And once everything gets kind of lifted with what's going on right now with the coronavirus, it'll be nice to kind of get back to that. But in the meantime, we've been able to provide a lot of these online resources where you can still um, continue to learn. You can still um, learn from some of the leaders in the field, you know, as we're doing some online programs that are, um, being sponsored by, by different members. Um, so we want to make sure that there's still that connection. So yeah, it, it doesn't matter what age, doesn't matter what your skill level is. It's, it's something that, you know, bring, bring whatever you can bring to the table and then we'll help you get to wherever you want to go with it. You said something about regions earlier. So you have the the organization broken up into specific regions or can somebody, if somebody joins from Cincinnati, chances are they're going to find other people in Cincinnati that are members of Nampa that are going to do a weekend, you know, photo shoot or a weekend nature shoot or something like that. Or is it more like we got the West region and we know we're going to have something happening in Denver, for example, 
and everybody just needs to make their way to Denver for, you know, July 15th or something? How does that work so that people have an idea of, I could be doing this every weekend, or this is something that I would do on a regional level, like every six weeks or something? So there's a couple of different things. We don't have regional chapters. So it's just one organization without the regional chapters. Um, but what we have done in the past is set up meetup groups that then, you know, then they're kind of localized to, let's say, the Denver area or the Colorado area. Um, the other thing that, that we certainly have done, I've seen people network um, that if they attend different, if they attend summit or if they attend celebration, then they start finding out who other, what other members are live in their area too. The regional events are something that Nampa sponsors. And those are destination, more destination type things where if we say we're going to North Carolina, that's for a workshop. And that could be anybody that's most people tend to be from the local area, but it could be anybody from across, across the U S Don, what's your favorite Nampa meetup or favorite Nampa experience that you've ever done? My favorite one. So I have, I'll say there's two. Um, one was oh, when I you went, can only have one. I, have one. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the right, last, the last celebration that I went to, it was a lot of fun photographing with folks out in the field that I normally probably, it's not that I wouldn't photograph with them, but I don't know if I would have made the effort to get together with them out in the field. So to be out in Grand Teton and, and share these experiences with people to photograph the bears up there, um, that was a lot of fun. And that was a little bit more of a low-key event, so it was a little bit more casual. Um, low-key Grand Teton sounds super nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is it's just the summits. I mean, I am not kidding when I say I walk away from those things so inspired um, just to see the different people that are speaking, um, you know, to hear Clay Bolt talk about how, you know, his, his, his work with bumblebees and helping – um, the rusty patch bumblebee get on the endangered species list then led into an SNL skit about him. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's some fun stuff that, you know, just keeps me inspired, keeps me pushing along that, that I can continue to build my photography. And I hear other people, Mike, you've said it already. I've heard other people say the same thing that, you know, you walk out of these rooms and it's just, it's really, really inspiring how these people are getting, they're making change. They're, they're making an impact. So I walked out of there so inspired, but then also so intimidated because I'm like, I want to do that one day, but I don't know if I could put a, together a presentation that is that inspirational. Be I mean, I saw people like Franz Lanting and Tom Engelson and George Lapp and all these people put on these presentations that would just, it just seemed so unachievable at that time that I could ever get to that spot because they're just so amazing. Like you said, it's just a, awesome stories. I had a question with the regional thing. Is that something where you guys are setting up so you're making it easier? If it is a destination, let's say Tetons, do you help people with accommodations? Yeah. So we take care of all the arrangements. We get the, the hotel arranged. We will. Um, so the hotel is, is, you know, we set up a block of rooms at the hotel. We'll take care of, you know, the, the one thing that isn't included usually is are the meals. And that's just, you know, where it's just a little bit more. I think it's a little easier for people to just find their their own food that they enjoy. But otherwise we take care of all um, the hotel, hotel arrangements, the meeting arrangements, um, speakers, all those different events. We usually have some, we have an exhibit hall where different um, um, businesses will come there, you know, whether they're workshop companies or a lot of the different um, vendors that'll be in there. I know Canon's always in there. I'm going to throw a pitch out and say Nikon really should be there as a Nikon shooter. Um, I'm, I get a little disappointed that I don't see them there each year, um, but I would like to see Nikon there. But we get Tamron's a big, big supporter of Nampa, um, Hunt's video, Hunt's um, camera and video. So, so you have the opportunity to you know, get some show specials in the exhibit hall when you're there. Um, Florian Schultz was the, the guy that I was thinking of before. He was the one that did this presentation about his time in, in Anwar and I mean, it literally had people in tears by the time he was finished talking because apparently his, if I remember the story correctly, his son was born either right before he left or while he was up there and he couldn't do that. So he had to make this decision about, you know, being up there to talk about all the challenges that are being that are that Anwar is facing right now um, versus being home with family and the decisions and the, just, just the impact and the video and the photos. And then there was um, George Lepp spoke 
Sue Flood did a, a presentation about um, her time in Antarctica with penguins, and that was a lot of fun um, getting to meet her. Um, Joel Sartori did a presentation about his National Geographic program that he's been doing, where he's been going and documenting all the animals in zoos and um, in different facilities around the world so that we can document, at least have a photo of every single animal before they go extinct. Uh, and he was talking about some of the some of the images he's already or of animals that have already gone extinct. So he's that's the photo arc project, I think. That is the photo arc. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Do you know are those recorded? Do you guys record those on video, or do you know if the organization does? Because I, I would I would... love to see the all of the all those that you just said. I would go back and yeah. watch. And I think back in the day, this is going to date me, right? Bad, but I would order cassette tapes. <laughs> of the of the presentations because you would walk out way so inspired and then I would want to just keep devouring that information. I would listen to each presentation 10 times just because you could pick up something new each time and these people are so inspiring when they're talking that it's just a right. you know, it would be cool to see these uh, those, that, that's a great idea those big that's summits put on great idea. Yeah, they, well, and that's, you know, in some ways, that's kind of what our webinars do, too. And that, that's an archive that you can go back to get, um, you know, with that's, a big variety a of topics. Pre-built YouTube channel right there. Mm -hmm. pre -built, and that's part of heavily, what we talked about. Heavily consumed YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think back to what you said, and probably the biggest question that we get, we always encourage people to send questions in. The biggest question by far that we get is, how do I take my photography to the next level or how do I become a professional photographer? And your comment earlier about, you know, it doesn't matter where you start, we'll take you in and there, there are tools within Nampa to equip you to get to whatever point you'd like to get to. Yeah. I think that, that pretty much says it all, you know, as far as the benefits of membership and it, Absolutely. you know, it, answers so so many things that we get asked and uh, i think it, it's a great organization and i would encourage everyone to check it out definitely i Is agree <laughs> anything else you want to add to that because we've got some other questions for the two of you about a project you work on and then we also have some stuff that we want to hear from drew on on another thing we've talked about in the past but is there anything else that we should talk about in regards to nampa that maybe we've left out or where can people find Nampa? So um, the best thing to do would be to go to nampa.org. That's the website where we have all of the information about membership and different programs that we offer, as well as some of the, the efforts that we're working on. Um, as I mentioned, we, we're doing, because a lot of people are home right now, we're actually doing a lot of things to support photographers to make sure that they continue to keep, keep their businesses going and or to continue to keep learning when we can't get together and, and do a more traditional um, conference type setting. So, um, so that information's on the website as well. And then we're also encouraging people to use the hashtag, um, hashtag Nampa together so that we can share what we're doing out there. How are we kind of keeping things to go going while we're, we're kind of either stuck at home or on a you know, limited ability to get out and, and do some photography with a lot of workshops and things unfortunately canceled right now. Um, but I would definitely encourage people to take a look at membership. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of great benefits to the membership, you know, all types of learning. You know, we were talking about, you know, if you come in at any level, we'll get you continue to help you grow, but there's also different types of learning, you know, whether you want to do something in person, once we get back to that point, if you want, if you prefer to learn online at home, those types of things are there. Or if you want to do, you know, smaller events, you know, closer to where your your home is, that's that's an opportunity too. So we try to keep it pretty pretty mixed up and, and varied for people, because everybody learns a little bit differently. Everybody's a little bit different with their personality and how they want to kind of network and, and get out there. Drew, I think you should do something on how to be a bear guide. <laughs> I think you need to do give a away whole... all my secrets. No, 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 no. You can't give away the secrets, but maybe not how to be a bear guide, but maybe everything that you've run into, which is kind of what we did on that podcast. But it's just so awesome what you do. I think it'd be fun for people to see in a webinar type thing. Well, and it's worth pointing out that that's how how Don and I met. Like she came to McNeil River. What year was that? That was that would have been 2015. 
2002. So almost almost five years ago. And I'm waiting on I'm waiting on hearing about my permit for this year. Oh I got, yeah, that's I got bumped into the second second round of drawing. So well, and, we'll and just to give a little background on that, McNeil River is this place we talked about a couple podcasts ago or uh, a few podcasts ago. That's it's a permit only bear viewing place. And it's currently being impacted by the, the COVID epidemic. They don't know if they can, because it takes an airplane to get there. Are they going to be able to do social distancing at McNeil? When you're cramming everybody in, a, in an otter, a, you know, a 10-seater airplane to get everybody out there, you can't be six feet apart. So it's everything's up in the air right now of whether people are going to be able to even do it. Um, looking forward to the summer season. I don't, I don't know, 50-50, yeah. go either way. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. I know I have my bear workshop later in August and I kept, you know, earlier in the year, I kept thinking, I'm like, oh, it's so far out, you know, things will be a lot better by, by then. And I'm still very optimistic that that'll happen. But, um, but I know it, this has definitely been impacting a lot of bear viewing up there already. Well, and I've had multiple conversations with a lot of the small operators who do similar stuff to what I do. And everybody's kind of in the same boat. You don't know are they going to lift the travel ban? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do, are people going to be able to afford as the stock market still down? Can people afford to come to Alaska and do these things? And everybody is, is trying to figure out this, uh, the federal assistance with the, you know, the, PPP. the different programs that are you know, PPP or whatever, yeah. or there's something. But I find that as a, as a tour operator, like currently I am not missing out on income, but come this summer, if this summer doesn't happen, that's when I'm going to be hurting. Like I can still get groceries and everything right now, but everybody's kind of in the same boat and nobody quite knows what to do. So maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, right I don't know what virtual bear viewing. They've basically <laughs> shut down all, all, uh, cruise ships. Right. And is that, I heard that was for the whole summer, like no cruise ships for the whole summer, but I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I heard. I don't know. I don't think you could pay me to get on a cruise ship right now. <laughs> yeah, like that, uh, it's it's just risky. And so, what what are going to be the uh, the things available for people who rely on photography or tourism um, when things come to a head with this? I don't even know what's going to shake out. So, but but Don, you've got another project I wanted to ask you about. I and this is this is just really exciting stuff. I hear you've got a book coming out. You did? How'd you hear that? <laughs> I, I heard, and I heard it's going to be the most amazing bear book ever created. Most Am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's looking beautiful. So <laughs> what, what stage is this book at right at the moment? So we, so Drew and I have, um, Oh yeah. Just give us another background. Cause we did it with Drew already, but let's hear your version of the, how this whole book project got started and then tell us where you're at right now. Yeah. So, so last summer when I was up in Lake Clark with the, um, the lodge where I stay up there, I was having a conversation over beers. We were ha hanging out. It was kind of getting towards the end of our week up there and we were hanging out in there. Um, they have this really nice recreation rec room and we got talking about Pebble Mine and another mine up there called Johnson Track Mine. That's actually, and both of those are actually going to affect, um, salmon runs, bear habitat, all kinds of things in the, on the Alaska peninsula. And so, you know, I've been talking about it for years about putting a book together of photos from, you know, all my trips up there. I've this summer, I think will be my 14th trip up there. So I, I got home and I was like, all right, what can I do? I have to do something. I was like, there's, I, you know, I was familiar with Pebble Mine, but I hadn't realized just how much it was going to impact things that I had even experienced. And I'm like, I have to do something. So within about a month of getting back to Colorado, I, I had emailed Drew and I said, I'm thinking about doing a book. I've got I looked at my catalog and I had over 60,000 photos of bears from, from being up there. And I knew Drew had been up there for years and I knew he had a big collection of photos. So I asked him if he was interested in doing a book together and he jumped on board with it. And we knew we had to get it kind of turned around fairly quickly. So we kind of settled on, let's do a photography, a visual and an impactful visual book that can really show where these bears live, what they do up there um, and what's at stake basically you know what could potentially be lost so we've put the whole book together we've pulled photos um, we started getting some reviews done drew and i went through through all the books and then unfortunately all this coronavirus stuff kind of happened and things kind of kind of kind of shuffled around a little bit um so we're, we're back up on it it's run a little bit later than we originally had hoped but it's still on track to to get it done this spring um so 
so yeah, I'm getting pretty excited about it. It'll be, it's going to be a pretty stunning book. It's, it'll include everything, all the bear viewing areas or bear habitat areas, I guess is a better way to, to say it, um, along the Alaska Peninsula. And that'll include Lake Clark National Park and Preserve, McNeil River State Game Sanctuary, McNeil River um, Preserve, and Katmai National Park and Preserve. So it'll be a pretty, pretty encompassing visual presentation of, of what these regions look like where the bears live, what they do. I mean, that's kind of the fun stuff, you know, being, being next to bear cubs and, you know, having, you know, watching mom, Drew, I know I've heard you talk about this, you know, having mom go off and fish and, the, you know, the cubs wind up sitting next to you. You're like, I just became a babysitter of bears, you know? It's, um, I mean, that kind of stuff is, it's, I grew up in New Jersey and even just this week, you know, with, with um, I've been doing some, some zoom, some online um, happy hours with some of my sorority sisters from college and, they started, we had one yesterday, they started asking me all these questions about, do you really go out to see bears? Do you, you know, what's the scariest thing you've ever had happen to you? And I'm like, like, like people, you know, when I grew up in Jersey, you don't think of these things. You know, we live in Colorado now where you have elk out your back door and you have black bears that come raid bird feeders all the time. It gets to be a little bit different. Um, and I want to share that with people. I want to show them, you know, just just how amazing these places are, how beautiful and pristine they are. And, you know, I'm really glad that Drew is willing to kind of jump on board with this too, because he just has some amazing photographs and some great stories and a lot of really good experience. Um, so we're pretty excited about bringing it out. And then ultimately the goal is to try to stop Pebble Mine with this book. Um, and maybe Drew can speak a little bit more to that, but that's the ultimate goal is to say, this is the visual prison. This is what is at stake. Help us stop it. You know, and by, by voting for the right, the right people in office that that are willing to to put a stop to these types of things, um, you know, and kind of moving along that path. Before you go into that, Drew, because I I think it's going to lead right into your other project that you've got going on. Is there a place where people can go to to pre-order your book? So yes, so they can go to they can go to dawnwilsonphotography.com, and then there's a link at the top that says books. Um, you can actually purchase it right from there. There's, you can either purchase a, a unsigned or a signed copy, and Drew and I will actually sign a copy for you. And then those are going to skyrocket in value. Like once we sign it, I think <laughs> similar books have doubled or tripled in value, and you'll be selling it on eBay here in 30 years to put your kids through college. So, oh, so yes. go for the autographed edition, and it'll really pay dividends. It's an investment. <laughs> I will point out too that um, Drew and I did did want to make sure that we were able to give back with the book. So we are giving two dollars from the sale of each book back to the Friends of McNeil River, which Drew is actually president of, um, so that we can kind of help their efforts and what they're doing in the fight against Pebble Mine. So what we'll do is we'll put is the cover to the book done yet? Yes. So the cover is yeah the cover's done. The front cover is. We'll highlight that on the on our show notes page, and then we'll put a link right to your pre order page, so that way if Perfect. people aren't can't remember all these web addresses they can just know go here and well and what's so cool and important i think about this book is that like for a lot of people they'll say oh i want to go to alaska and take pictures of bears and once you are up here and once you start getting into the the research on it um shooting bears in alaska there you've got a lot of options and so one thing that's going to come out of this book is when you flip through the pages and you'll see just how varied the, the ecosystems are, just how varied the terrain is, what are the photographic opportunities. Like there is a big difference between uh, Lake Clark National Park, the southern edge of Lake Clark National Park, and the Katmai Preserve. It's two very different situations. And for somebody that's looking to come to Alaska and do something, this, this would be a book that you could pick up and, and look through and say, oh, I like how things are done there, or I like how, I like how those look. So it, it could be a it could actually be a research tool for somebody planning a trip to Alaska, and it highlights what's at stake with this whole pebble mine BS. Can I say that on here? Yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, it's a behavior thing, right? Do you want to photograph bears climbing, or do you want to photograph them eating in the sedge flats, or do you want to photograph them with fish, or do you want to photograph cubs? Cubs is a big thing in certain places, right? So your resource will be huge for people to to pull that kind of information out and know where to go and behaviors and times and, and all sorts of that. So it'll all, it'll all be in there. So, uh, so buy two copies, one for you, one for your friend, <laughs> both signed though, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> 
So that's awesome. I can't wait to see it. If you'll send me a copy of that cover, I'll I'll get it out on the page and then. So you said this spring. Are we looking uh, like the next couple of months? You think? I think at this point, if if Drew and I can get the the fi- there's just a couple final pieces that we need to get finalized in in the um, content within. If we can do that in the next couple of weeks, it'll be off to the printer, and then I would say you know six weeks or so after that. What size is this book? Uh, like physical size? Is it like a? It's a twelve by twelve inch by nine inch hardback book with a dust jacket. So full color. Um, it has a hundred and sixty pages with a little more than one hundred and ninety photos in it. That's my favorite kind of book. <laughs> yeah, I've always you know every time I go up to Lake Clark and I'm you know I sit there in the lodge and I look through some of the books that are up there and there are some beautiful ones. Um, I always felt like there was you know, there wasn't anything that was all encompassing of the area. I've been to all three regions. Drew's been, I think you've been to all, all three different areas and you've guided in a lot of them. So he spent a lot of time up there. We've both guided up there. Um, and it's just, it, it just leaves you breathless when you, you, once you finish a trip up there, it's, it is, it's, it's like no place else. So, you know, how you were just talking about Florian Schultz doing that walking Anwar thing. Mm-hmm. I think Drew should walk from Anchorage all, just on the coast all the way down to where where would be a good place to stop that, Drew? Cape Douglas, actually, because it's been done. But oh, it has. Me. It has. Actually, there's a there's a there's a couple from uh, uh, Soldovia, which is a little village right across the bay from Homer. And they walked from Soldovia uh, all the way to Cape Douglas, which if you have a map. So they walk from Soldovia around Kachemak Bay to Homer, up Cook Inlet, through Anchorage, cross the Susitna River, down and around, uh, through Lake Clark National, well, through Redout Bay Critical Habitat Area, through uh, Lake Clark National Park, through uh, McNeil River, and into Katmai. And they did this uh, a few years ago. I was working at McNeil River at the time, and we were one of their food drops, and they stopped in. Uh, but what's super impressive about it is they did it with their kids. Really? Really? Who were, uh, yeah, they did it. They were two and four at the time, and Grandma was with them. Uh, they had pack rafts. They had all this stuff. And uh, uh, Aaron McKittrick is is well. Aaron and Hig are the couple, and Aaron wrote a, a book about it that I will, uh, I will, I will look. I will include it in the show notes. Yeah, it's kind of a fun, awesome. fun, uh, fun adventure. Wow, I thought I was coming up with something unique, but that that it's clearly been done in the right way too. To start at Soldovia and go all the way up and around, I was. I was cutting it short, just starting from Anchorage. Well, and then I've got these other friends. Like people, people up here, I guess, just do these crazy things. I've got a friend that I've known for. There are very few people that uh, I I can say that I've known for forty years, and one of them is Caroline Van Hemert. She's got a book out right now called "The Sun Is the Compass," which is a trip that she and her husband, who uh, uh, they they went from Bellingham, Washington, all the way up the Inside Passage, and then all the way up to the Arctic coast. And then paddled and walked all the way to Kotzebue, I think, all under human powered. And it's just, wow. I mean, this is this is a friend I grew up with. And then her husband, Pat, he built my house here. Like these are just these are the people you meet when you hang out in Alaska. So you came on partly today to be our co-host, but also you had actually reached out and I saved a picture of it because it was in your story, right? What what's your announcement or what did you want to talk about? So if you think way back in the uh, Wild and Exposed archives to, yes, that is us. We, I think I might have been the last podcast uh, recorded before the outbreak, before, before the pandemic. I think you're started. right. I think so, you're right. So like, I, was, I was in Seattle uh, when it happened, and I needed to get out of there to get because then all hell broke loose. And so, um, so everything that I talked about – in that podcast has changed. I was supposed to be in Washington, D.C. right now, lobbying senators, talking about Pebble Mine and this and that, and then everything got shut down. And so we've been looking at ways at taking our campaign digital. And there's been a lot of talk today about webinars and things like that. So I'm actually going to have a webinar that is, we're billing, it is the digital world premiere of a film we made last summer. So the film is called Pebble Redux, uh, The Bears of a Mactadori, and it's uh, I went out with uh, Brandon Hill from Inlet Keeper and Trip Jennings from Balance Media, and we went out to a Mactadori beach, which is the proposed port site. Like So the area where we were, it will be destroyed. There would be a power plant. There would be a, a, a huge industrial port. There'd be a road going to it, and we, we filmed 
bears. Uh, it didn't didn't go <laughs> uh, exactly as planned, but it was just this beautiful spot, beautiful weather. We had bears, we had fish, we had everything right there. And we made a 14-minute film that was supposed to be touring with the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, which has been canceled or postponed. I'm not sure which. But but anyway, our film is not touring, so we're, we're taking it digital. So on April 21st, April 21st at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, we're having a webinar that's being hosted by, uh, by Natural Habitat Adventures. They've been doing a webinar every day. So one o'clock every day, and ours is going to be on April 21st. It's going to be me talking about how bears will be impacted by Pebble Mine. And then we're going to have this 14-minute uh, uh, this film, world digital premiere, and then there'll be a time for, for questions and answers at the end. So if anybody has any questions at all about bears in Alaska or, or hopefully more specifically the Pebble Mine. And then it's there's going to be an ask at the end of it. And what we're trying to do is get people to uh, contact senators. And it's going to be really hard to be heard right now with all that's going on in the world. But we want people to contact their representatives to put pressure on the Army Corps of Engineers. Because while we're all focused on surviving, finding this new lifestyle in, in all this that's going on, uh, People don't know this, but the Army Corps of Engineers is still plugging away at this EIS. And not, so not only that, but either as a result of or with the opportunity being presented, a lot of the EPA restrictions have been lifted. Yeah. There, which there's, gives an opportunity to fast track some of these some of these projects that have been slowed down because of restrictions. There's a lot of, of shady impact. stuff shady stuff going on at a, at a, at a governmental level. And so while well, the people who are fighting this mine, like think of the people in Bristol Bay right now that are opposed to this mine, they're, they were supposed to be commenting on this EIS, but instead they're worried about having their salmon season canceled. They're worried about feeding their family. They're worried about if this pandemic makes it to the villages. If this, if this pandemic makes it to the villages in Alaska, who, who, no, nobody knows what that, that scenario would be. So these people are fighting for their lives. And the Army Corps of Engineers is saying, nope, you need, to, you need to comment on this mine, which would also destroy their lifestyle. So we're trying to get them to suspend the, the process until after this pandemic's over. Um, not just for, I mean, it's the right thing to do. The Army Corps, frankly, should be building hospitals right now, rather than trying to put forward this mining proposal. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to be able to put you in touch with your representatives on how to ask uh, them to help suspend the, the NEPA process, it's called. And that'll all be in the webinar on April 21st. Sweet. So, and then the natural, that's the same organization with Brad Josephs, right? Brad, and that's who you yeah, guide yeah. for. And they're based out of Boulder, right? They're based out of Boulder, and they're... Uh, <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff with them over the years, and they're a great organization. It's a travel company, but they've got a, a definite conservation bent. They were the first uh, travel company to go carbon neutral. Uh, they've been doing carbon neutral from back before being carbon neutral was cool. Uh, um, and they've, they've made a shift even more into the conservation realm uh, lately. Like they've, they've, they've sponsored some of these film projects and things like that. And uh, um, really, uh, they've been one of my biggest allies in this in this pebble fight. So they being doing these webinars every day had the digital infrastructure to host this film. So hopefully uh, we've, we've got accommodation. We've got room for 5,000 people to, to attend this. And it's going to be, I think world wildlife Fund's going to be pushing it out there and uh, defenders of wildlife. A lot, a lot of big organizations are going to be hopefully driving people to this webinar so that we can really get a grassroots push to uh, to impact what the Army Corps of Engineers is doing. Right, and you do have to register to view it, right? You got to register, and uh, I don't know if you've been following all the all the the controversies with digital security and things like that. Um, so the the email registry is is just to prove your identity, or you know, <laughs> there have been some high profile meetings that have been hacked and things like that. So it's just an added layer of, of security. So if you register one, it helps us know how many people are, are going to be there so we can affect our, or impact our, uh, we can be ready. <laughs> we can be ready for that many people. Um, 
Uh, but also it'll help you keep updated on, on what's going on. So, But we want all 5,000 people to be writing. How amazing would that be? Like right. this, is, this is really a, a David versus Goliath uh, kind of situation. Like we are going up against mining companies. We are going against some very moneyed interests. Uh, we are going up against the federal government at this point. Like this is, if, if this is something that, that we care about and I feel it is, it's something I care about. And, um, but if we're going to, if we're going to stop this thing, we got to work together and this will be the mechanism, uh, that does it. So do you think a lot of that, that information will be available? Obviously you'll say where it's available on the actual presentation, but is that going to be a link that somebody can go to on your website or Nat Hab's website. It'll be on Nat Hab's website. It'll be in emails. It'll be on my website. Um, it'll be on Friends of McNeil River's website. It'll be on defendbristolbay.org or com. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it's going to be all over. But you haven't heard about it yet. And this is kind of strategically on, on, on my part is I feel that people don't have the attention span for an event that's two weeks out. So what I'm asking you as viewers and as podcasters and friends is the week of April 15th to April 21st. I would love it if everybody would post their Alaska brown bear shots and just inundate social media, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook with the hashtag no pebble mine and hashtag think about bears. And through that bear week, we'll call it uh, building up to it. Um, I will put out the movie poster. We've got a couple trailers worked up. Um, and it will culminate this this bear week will culminate with the uh, uh, the digital premiere of our film. I love it, and I think people don't have to think about tax day this year, so you can think about this instead of tax day on the 15th. and it's the day after Earth Day, so it's a great way to celebrate Earth and what you can do to help her out. Well, I saw you throw that thing across, and when you contacted us, I was like, you know what, we need to we need to make <laughs> this go out. So I just added that hashtag to my bear shots. Yes. Instagram. Yes. Oh, and the other thing that uh, people could do is if you go to uh, friendsofmcneilriver.org, I've got a social media guide uh, just to help people post their 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 bear pictures. And there's actually a, a no pebble mine watermark that uh, it's even got the app that'll tell you how to put this watermark on your your images. So it's the 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 no pebble mine with the bear claws uh, that Brandon made, and so we're trying to get that uh, circulated around the internet as well. I've used that page several times now. I love it. It's such a good resource, right? Because, you know, people get to doing these social media posts, and you're like, oh, what am I going to say or what am I going to do? It's all laid out right there. All the hashtags you could possibly want. Copy, paste, and you're done. Just that easy. We like to make it easy for people. <laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. All right. Well, this will go out, or if you're listening to this, you know, it's obviously out already, but if you can do your part, that would be very, very helpful. I'd, lo I'd love to see 5,000 letters get su uh, submitted. And if you can't make it on the day of, uh, there's usually a day delay, but it will be available on uh, YouTube. So you can watch it after the fact. So register and then you will get, even if you can't watch it, register, and then you'll get an email notifying you when it's available to watch after the fact. But you said 1 o'clock. Is that 1 o'clock mountain time? One o'clock mountain time because NatHab is based in Boulder. So everything's <laughs> the world revolves around mountain time. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> That's right. And Don, do you have any questions or comments about any of that that you wanted to add before we wrap up? No, I would just say, you know, thank you for helping us get, get the word out about Nampa. Help us think of, thank you for get, helping us get the word out about the bears book. And as well with Drew's, Drew's work on, Stopping Pebble Mine, that's an important endeavor. I want to see a thousand new members in Nampa and five thousand letters written. That's not too there much we go. to ask, is it? We could do Let's that. Let's do it. You know, this is the second time that we've had the opportunity to speak with both of these guys, uh Drew and Don, and great guests, great content. And I think both of them have a heart for for conservation that, you know, we should all aspire to as well, not only with our images and the way that we utilize our images, but in the efforts that both of them put forth out, outside of their photography. And, you know, like we said last time, none of us are opposed to progress, but some places just need to stay wild. And this is definitely one of those that I believe, you know, 
we can't afford to have it sacrificed. Absolutely. Amen. Well said. All right, Ron, well, give us the old wrap-up. Or thanks to Missy McKenzie uh, for being absent once again, as you can look behind Michael. <laughs> Our hardworking producer, Missy McKenzie, is the empty chair right behind Michael there. <laughs> and uh, as always, thanks for listening to Wild and Exposed. Look forward to seeing you all on the field. You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review. And make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Sing along to the radio. We're gonna make it someday. Nothing's gonna get in our way.